Welcome to another episode of Sounds Japanese Canadian Today with me, Raymond Nakamura. And me, Carolyn Nakagawa. Well, Carolyn, my heart is beating a little bit faster today. Oh, really? Is it? Is that because the Powell Street Festival is coming up soon, Raymond? Oh, that could be it. And the idea of taiko, the drumming, the pounding. Oh, yeah. When I think of the performances at Powell Street Festival, this festival that we have every year in Vancouver, I always think of taiko groups because there's several in Vancouver. And that's really, it's not the only thing that happens in on the stage at Powell Street Festival, but it certainly makes a big impression. And it's one of the performances that you can hear where Wherever you are. That's right. In around the vicinity of Oppenheimer Park. Uh huh. Yeah, so Taiko actually has an interesting history in Canada, and I think it's kind of unique compared to other traditional Japanese art forms. So, mm-hmm. what we think of as traditional. Yeah, well, and it is traditional, but the way that it's existed in our community, mm-hmm. it has a certain lineage that doesn't really parallel with other kinds of Japanese arts that are practiced here. And with an important connection to the Powell Street Festival in particular. Yeah, so we'll circle back to that. But I think we should start by talking about taiko in general as the very ancient Japanese folk art form. So ancient that it's associated with the original gods and goddesses. There was the god of thunder and lightning who had the taiko drum. Yeah, and in ancient times, they would use the taiko drum to drive away evil spirits and pests from their crops in the fields. I wonder how effective that was. Well, I I, mean, I guess it's like the sonic version of a scarecrow. Oh, maybe? but there I is mean, that vibrational it's... thing for attracting worms. Have you oh. ever heard of that word? So it's stick... like attracting the good, good oh, maybe, maybe. organisms and driving away the crows. I don't know. But yeah, because the idea is that it imitates the sound of thunder, the gods of thunder. Uh-huh. And then that encourages rain. And then they would also Oh, play I see. Yeah, so that yeah. would be a good thing. And then they would also play it to thank the gods at harvest time for a bountiful crop. And so the god of, of thunder and lightning uh, apparently is Daiden. Oh, yeah? And uh, one of the taiko groups in Kamloops is actually named after that. There you go. Yeah. yeah, being very aware of those roots. And so I was trying to figure out the question of like, what exactly is a taiko? Because there are, of course, taiko ensembles, but there, there's lots of different settings in which taiko appear. Mm-hmm. And so my understanding is that it's a very common folk instrument and they're often homemade drums. But what makes a taiko a taiko is that it's a drum that's played with sticks. Oh, instead of your hands? Instead of your hands, yeah. Or your feet or your face or, or what else whatever else people use to play <laughs> drums but those are the two options that i know about uh-huh. Uh-huh. so they're not only used as sort of a folk instrument folk performances and for, with the tradition of being used in the fields uh, in ancient times but they're also used in no drama they have an important role in no which is a very different very like stylized formal setting in contrast to what i think of when i think of taiko which is the really lively performance right yes so i thought that was interesting that they were in no um, and they're also used in kabuki drama uh-huh. and apparently in the olden times the old taiko the big taiko drum was a really important device for kabuki because they would play in the morning on the day of a performance to tell everyone that there was going to be a performance that night oh you know, in the days before, good advertising before facebook you know yes you can't just post Social media, Taiko as the original social media. <laughs> and um, if you think about Japan, all the mountains, then then that's sort of interesting. Because I also mm. saw this suggestion that village boundaries were actually related to how far away you could hear the Taiko drum from the central right. square. Right, and that makes sense because it's like centralized communication. Right, yeah. yeah. And they would be using it for when the hunters were coming or going. Right. So people kind of knew yeah. what was going so on. So you can or... round people up for, you know, a town meeting or right. whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So this idea of a booming sound. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the booming sound is thunder, but in kabuki, they also would use them during performances to create like wind patterns or rain, like、oh, sort of stylized yeah, 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 effects yeah. that reflect different aspects. Uh huh. Because besides the booming sound, when you hit on the wood on the sides, you get a much higher sound. Or、mm-hmm. if you're kind of running the bachi on the sticks on the surface, then you get more of a wind. Oh yeah,、sound. I could see that. You sound like you know your technique, Raymond. <laughs> Have you ever played taiko? Well, I took a course a long time ago. With Katari Taiko, which、oh, we'll,、yeah. we'll talk about a little bit later.、Wow. As far as I can tell, I have no musical ability at all. But there is something about being able to whack on the drum yeah, very hard for a long period of time. Well, it's a different experience than playing most musical instruments. I mean, I've never played Western-style drums, but I did play in a Taiko club when I was in Japan for a little bit. So I just know like some of the basics. But we used to, as warm-up, we would just take our bachi sticks and just drum continuously for ten minutes. Uh huh. So you build up muscle that way. Oh yeah, let me tell yeah, you. good, good arms.、Um, yeah, and arms it, it's、right. definitely a completely physical thing, right? Yes. And for me, that's a really important part of taiko. When I even go as an audience member, is how you feel it in your body vibrating. Mm. Mm. So I always like to be like really close to the stage, and I'm not that interested in watching videos or hearing recordings of、mm. it because、mm. I, for me, that's part of the visceral yeah aspect of it. That's interesting. And I remember hearing of some of the hardcore groups like Kodo and. On the Koza, they would. Yeah, those are Japanese groups, right? Yeah, based in in Sado Island, and、mm-hmm. I remember seeing them like in the seventies or eighties in Toronto,、mm-hmm. and these performances where they're practically naked. They're you know sinewy guys pounding on these、mm-hmm. huge drums, and I had heard that sometimes they run marathons and then give a concert. Like that's the kind of conditioning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't do that. I've never, I never, <laughs> I've never done any kind of running associated、uh-huh. with taiko. But and that's interesting too. I'm curious about the connection between taiko and martial arts. I mean, I don't know very much about martial arts. Do you know much about martial arts, Raymond? That's another thing I'm not very good at. But I, <laughs> Me too. I, I, I have I have tried judo actually in Toronto、yeah. when I was a kid, and I discovered that I was always landing on the wrong places.、Yeah. And in Japan, actually, I did karate for a while.、Oh. A friend of mine and I had. Met the instructor at a bar, and he invited us to there. So we were the only adults out of a bunch of kids.、Oh. And one other thing was in university back in Toronto, I took Aikido. Again, I wasn't very good at that, but it seemed like the instructor liked to demonstrate the most painful moves on me.、Oh, okay, <laughs> so I didn't last that long. <laughs> but it was used in times of war, yeah, historically, and that's not just limited to Japanese culture, yeah. But the idea of the drums and synchronizing people, in yeah, the march, all that sort boosting of thing. morale and excitement. So yeah, it's true. It's not just Japanese, but there's also Western traditions of military bands. So maybe that you're thinking maybe that's why there's a connection to martial arts and taiko. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because actually I was looking through the Nikkei National Museum's collection,、hmm. and we have a taiko in our collection. I've seen it in the vault, and I was looking at the notes on our database on it, and apparently it's not from any of the local Vancouver taiko groups. It has nothing to do with them, which is、hmm. interesting. It actually came from the Vancouver Judo Club.、Hmm. So what happened was in 1970. Tom Satoru Tamoto, who was the instructor of the Vancouver Judo Club, approached the Vancouver office of the Japan Airlines、mm-hmm. and coordinated the JL participating in the Judo Club's annual tournament in Vancouver. So it was like a Japan Canada exchange through judo. Well. Yeah, so they brought a six-man team from Japan. I was going to say、over. that wouldn't be a very fair fight if you, yeah. if you well, got maybe, the flight attendant. I don't know. Maybe、so. maybe judo is their hobby. I don't know. Oh yeah, that's that's a requirement so they, for flight attendants. So so they brought a six-man team from Japan to compete in the Vancouver Judo Club's twentieth anniversary tournament. 
in 1971. And they performed well in individual competition. And the overall individual winner was a man named Udo Werner from the Vancouver Judo Club. And also in the team match, I'm not sure how team matches work in judo. That's interesting. But in the team match, the Canadian team defeated the JAL team by a score of 25 to nothing. Wow. Yeah. I guess they were bigger. They ate more meat back then. I don't know. The Japan team did do well in some of the individual Mm. matches as well. Mm. But in the team match, the Canadian team won. And then in a display of friendship between Japan and Canada, an appreciation for the hospitality received from the judo community in Canada, Japan Airlines presented Mr. Tamoto, the organizer from the judo club, and the Vancouver Judo Club with his taiko drum and drumsticks. And the drum was used to begin and end every annual Vancouver Judo Club tournament until Mr. Tamoto retired in 1988. And then it eventually made its way into the Nikkei National Museum collection. So I think that's a really cool piece of history. And also about the Japan-Canada connection. Yeah, yeah, that's quite something. I was speaking to my mother because she used to do dancing as a kid on Powell Street. Mm -hmm. And I guess this is related to the use of taiko in festivals and things. Yeah, and you would also use it to accompany odori, right? Right. So that's what, yeah, that's what, that's what she had experienced. So it seems that usually though, the drums are more individual in those cases, like not a a whole ensemble. Here and there. And not usually the ones that you see in the use in taiko performances are not the ones that you would use in odori, I think, because usually you see the smaller ones that you can actually carry with you and hit instead of the big ones on the stands. Right. Yeah, so that's the history of our our drum and also, yeah, other settings. But in terms of actual taiko ensembles, in North America, they seem to be a post-war phenomenon. Yes, well, even in Japan, and that's what I found oh, really? interesting. really? Yeah, so that, that was the thing. As an ensemble, the first guy was Daihachi Ogushi. Uh-huh. And uh, so this was in 1951. He was a wow. jazz drummer. So he had looked into ancient taiko things, but right. then he made an arrangement for a group. So the, so he was like a Western style, like drum kit. I guess so, yeah. Drummer, yeah and then he yeah. decided to like go and explore right, Japanese his own, yeah. indigenous tradition with drums. Right. Oh, cool. Right. And so then he was modifying it so that an ensemble using different types of drums, you know, with different sounds and things right. like that could work together. Mm-hmm. And so this apparently is the start even in Japan. So oh, that's wow. interesting that, that playing as a group is, you know, after the war, it was a thing that happened after that. And in the 1970s, the Japanese government started promoting their own cultural preservation programs, and this renewed an interest in folk art so that they ended up with thousands of groups forming. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Of different I styles. mean, yeah. yeah, that makes sense though, because after the war, I mean, Japan is rebuilding its own identity too, and I'm, Taiko is a way for them to sort of reach back to their roots and make it in a new form, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is also very similar to what was happening in North America about 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. But that all started with a man named Seiichi Tanaka, mm-hmm. who was born in Tokyo in 1943 and grew up. He was a martial artist and also a baseball player, attended university on a baseball scholarship, and then ended up immigrating to the United States. And apparently on his first visit... He was in San Francisco's Japantown. Mm -hmm. This was in 1967. And he was at the Cherry Blossom Festival there. And he was looking around going, where's the taiko? Uh Like, there's taiko everywhere in Japan. And he was completely shocked that no one seemed to know about taiko or Uh use it, really. So he decided this was what he was going to do with his life. And he went back to Japan and trained with his taiko grandmaster. Hmm. 
so that he could go to the United States again and teach it to everyone else. So it wasn't even like he was a taiko drummer who right, said, from I'm going to spread this art. He actually went back to specifically study taiko. He saw a need and he yeah, was filling that Yeah, that and he gap. just decided to step right in there. So that, I think, is so interesting. So he trained with the taiko visionary grandmaster Daihachi Oguchi of Osua Daiko. And then in 1968, just one year later, he returned and he established the San Francisco Taiko Dojo and made his goal really to spread taiko throughout the United States and eventually Canada as mm -hmm. well. He actually held a workshop with Vancouver's first taiko group, Katari Taiko. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like even now, California is sort of that major place for taiko. They have these annual gatherings or semi-annual gatherings mm -hmm. of taiko groups from all over North America. Mm -hmm. And it was the San Jose Taiko Group, which I think also has connections in its origins mm -hmm. to the San Francisco Taiko Group, that really brought the idea to Vancouver and to Canada, because they came up to perform at one of the early Powell Street festivals in 1979. And that was the year before that, in 1978, they had had a group from Japan, Ondekoza, uh -huh. which you mentioned before. Right. And then they had an American group in 1979. So these, I guess, made a really big impression mm -hmm. on the community here. And it's also interesting to note, Connie Kadota remembers that the San Jose performance, one of the things that made an impression on people was that most of the ensemble were sansei, third mm -hmm. generation, Japanese-American, uh -huh. and mostly women. Uh -huh. So it's kind of, you know, really different from what you think of as the sort of stereotype of Japanese-American or Japanese-Canadian women, especially is that, you know, you expect to be very quiet and demure, both from within the community as terms of, like, the traditions coming from Japan and mm -hmm. also the stereotypes about Asian-Americans and Asian-Canadians. So it's interesting that there's such a loud and powerful medium, and it's in Canada, at least, it seems to be very female-driven right from the beginning. Yes, that's right. There are a few all-female groups, in fact. And this idea, as you say, the expectations, not just of women within groups, but then also Asians within the larger society. So it seems like a lot of these things happening around this time in the 70s related to civil rights movements as well, and this general awareness of identity and then asserting themselves. So the mm -hmm. taiko being a way to sort of amplify their message. Yeah, I have a quote here from Lucy Komori, who was a member of the first Vancouver taiko group, Katari Taiko, who said, A lot of the early taiko groups in North America started playing as an extension of their political work in the yellow power movement. And she goes on to say, because of the policies in Canada, which often encouraged or even forced separation, dispersal, and insulation, forming a group of all Asian members to play in ancestral music was not only culturally, but also politically daring in the racist climate of North America. So I think that says a lot about how it became not just a sort of cultural or personal revival of a lot of sansei, third generation Japanese Canadians exploring their roots, but it was also a political awakening mm -hmm. and sort of coincides with the, sort of the 1977 centennial of Japanese Canadians is often where people say that's when mm -hmm. you just started. Right. Because people start to say, wait a second, we should acknowledge our heritage. And that wasn't just cultural. The yes, cultural yes. aspect of taiko also fed into the political aspect right. of fighting for redress. Right. As an activity, it's interesting, this idea of the ensemble, so that mm -hmm. they're, you're working together. So that idea of internal harmony, but at the same mm -hmm. time creating this big sound, yeah. being an impressive experience of reaching outwards. Yeah, you're, you're right. Both the inward 
experience and the outward experience and harmony as well as individual striving mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also hitting things yes it's right very, it's you know it's a very Cathartic. intense experience it's wonderful and that aspect of the importance of the experience from an individual standpoint i think is underlined by how so many of the groups they would start with uh, spare tires yeah <laughs> or, or well, they, in, yeah in absence of a drum yeah so just the act of doing that was interesting and eventually many of them starting to build their own drums out of oak barrels now mm -hmm. even though historically you would have a solid piece of wood and those kinds of drums are very expensive to make and so forth but they were actually getting wine barrels and converting them into making the drums and so forth right but that's also part of the folk traditions of taiko is mm -hmm. that you know mm -hmm. if you're using right. them in odori and festivals they're quite often just handmade instruments mm -hmm. so you're salvaging whatever materials are appropriate for mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. and yes yeah, but as part of it as being a sort of like grassroots art form mm -hmm. where you are taking responsibility and ownership of every part of it. So the Katari Taiko, there's almost like a family tree of Taiko groups within Canada. Yeah. Some of them have started by separate individuals, but many of them are the result of offshoots of Katari Taiko in particular, going to other places and doing workshops or former members starting new groups. It's quite something. So that as far as I could find out, there's 24, as far as I could see, 24 active Taiko groups in Canada. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's not like they all started at the same time, although mm -hmm. the first one being in 1979, over time they've been growing. So that between 2000 and 2010, a majority of in fact had formed. Oh, interesting. Um, so quite recent. From, yeah, and so it seems to be a growing thing from BC and there's Alberta, mm -hmm. uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, mm -hmm. Quebec. I haven't found any that are in the Maritimes yet, but maybe that's just a matter of time. Yeah, maybe in 2017, one will pop up. So um, if you're in the Maritimes and you have a Taiko group, then you can let us know. Yeah. So I know that there are several of these ensembles in Vancouver. I've heard some of them perform. Mm -hmm. Katari Taiko is important for being the earliest one. They had their first public performance in 1981. And their name means talking drums. So it's interesting, too, that that's you know, always connected to politics and speaking for oneself. Yes, that's right. And the sense of community. Yeah. They seem yeah. to be very big on And they actually did perform a collaboration with Kokoro Dance in the 80s called Rage which mm -hmm. was in support of redress. And there was a Tycho performance on Parliament Hill in April 1988 when they did the March on Parliament Hill mm. right before they got the settlement asking for redress. Right. That included oh. a Tycho performance. Uh -huh. I'm not sure what group that was, if it was Katari or a different group, but mm. it's definitely a part of that continuum and part of that tradition that began with them. And what are some of the other groups that you found out about Raymond? Well, there are kind of so many that it's hard to say them all, but I like some of the names of them. They're kind of interesting. Uzume Taiko was the, Canada's first professional ensemble, and that was named after the goddess of laughter. Mm. And so having a lighthearted approach and... And also female-centered as well, right? Like the well, goddess. They, yeah, that's right. The goddess in that case. Their group was a combination of people of different backgrounds. Backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But the first all-women's taiko group was Sawagi Taiko, mm. which uh, formed in 1990. And it's interesting how people from various cultures, various backgrounds are getting into taiko and how open a lot of these groups are to that, uh, encouraging yeah. of that. Yeah, I noticed that Katari Taiko makes a point in their own history of mentioning that they've always had people who are not of Japanese descent in their group. Mm -hmm. Partly it's part of the emerging Asian-Canadian movement, mm -hmm. which I think was also pretty much emerging around the same time of combining, you know, Chinese-Canadian and Japanese-Canadian. Yeah, um, I think that idea of Asian solidarity is yeah. an interesting one. Because when I was younger, 
there wasn't that sense. And I know really? that in the, the Japanese community, from like my father's perspective is not really to be associating, you know, I mean, when he was a kid, mm -hmm. there was a lot of antagonism between mm -hmm. them reflected, I suppose, in part from Japan and China, the animosities between them. Whereas in North America, over time, this idea of Asians working together is an interesting aspect. Of yeah, well, I think nowadays, I mean, from my experience growing up, it's not really about the actual history of Japan and China. Mm -hmm. It's literally about how you're seen by other people. Yes, yes. And, having and having that the common, common Yes, that's right. Being uh, seen in that being way. Being mistaken for Chinese people anyway. Yeah, so uh, may as well and... hang out with them <laughs> and eat some Chinese food. It's worked out well for me, at least. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so that's an important part of it. Paul Yi was a Chinese-Canadian member of Katai Taiko, and he said, It was an opportunity to reclaim visibility. All my life, I knew I had an Asian face. Most of the time, I wanted to hide it, deny I looked different. But here, suddenly, my Asian face let me fit into a group that was Japanese, not Chinese, but a group that wielded tremendous power through music. Hmm. So, I've yeah. read a few of his books on other yeah, things. Yeah, he's a he's, writer. He, yeah, and he does a lot of historical fiction related mm -hmm. to Chinese-Canadian experiences. Yeah. So, yeah, that's an important part of it, too. And nowadays, if you look at a Taiko group in Vancouver, they're very multicultural, usually. Mm -hmm. And the idea of openness to gender identities and various yeah. aspects of yeah. that idea of building yeah. community. And I love that it's so rooted in tradition, but also so open. And it's a form that's able to be empowered by these new ideas and ways of thinking and bringing in people from other backgrounds. Yes, I think the idea of percussion in particular sort of lends itself to that. But a number of groups seem to specifically look for collaboration so that we have this mm -hmm. uh, bringing together of different ideas and approaches. Yeah, and I noticed that Katari Taiko in particular likes to cite their history of collaborating with other communities. There was one memorable performance they did in a Dukabor community, which is important because of the historic connection between Dukabors and Japanese Canadians. Dukabors were one of the few groups who were supporting Japanese Canadians during internment, and they mm. sort of interacted in the interior of BC during that time. Mm -hmm. And usually, apparently, the Dukabors have a cappella choirs, that's their music, and they don't oh. usually allow musical instruments on their stage, hmm. but they made an exception for taiko. Hmm. So I just, I love that it becomes such a way to open people up yes. to different things while also being ancient. There are also these different streams. I've noticed that there's a Vancouver Okinawa taiko group. Oh yeah, which and, is a totally uh, different school. Of yes, taiko, yes, right? and and the rhythms that are are used in Okinawan music is a little bit different, and it has this kind of lilting feel to it, I think. And usually their outfits are very colorful. Oh, I don't think I've and, seen them perform. I should try uh, to check I think that, that out. They, yeah, I think that they were actually at the Powell Street Festival last year. Yeah. And Okinawa being in the southern part of Japan, I remember when I first visited there, hearing their music, and it has a very different sound to it than, mm. than what you think of other kinds of Japanese music. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing some more taiko performances this year at the Powell Street Festival. Mm -hmm. Now that we've talked more about the very rich and unique history of taiko groups in North America. And in the meantime, you can start beating on the table at your desk. <laughs> as, yeah, as... I got a bit back into shape, really. Uh -huh, uh -huh. It's been a little while since I had my bachi. So, Raymond, what do you think when I say taiko? I think it sounds Japanese-Canadian to me. Fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs>